Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Sports Mall's Premier League preview podcast. I'm Pascal Lemaire and alongside me is Barney Corkill to run through match day nine in the top flight. Did you make it through the international break? We only just about survived, which is more than can be said for some of the Premier League star players. Sergio Aguero, after scoring five in 20 minutes for Man City against Newcastle, has done his hamstring and scuppered fantasy football managers all over, including yours truly. We've also had our first managerial casualty since we were last with you, as Liverpool and Sunderland make changes. Former Borussia Dortmund man Jurgen Klopp is in Anfield, and it's with the Reds we start as they travel to Tottenham Hotspur in the first game of the weekend. Answers on only one place to start here, and that's uh, Rogers' departure and Jurgen Klopp's appointment. What do you make of it all? Yeah, it's, it's a big viral, I think, for Liverpool. They don't really have a a history of bringing in a massive name manager usually is a manager who makes their name at Liverpool so it's a bit of a departure from years gone by but I think it's a very good one it was between him and Ancelotti by all accounts and for me I I think Klopp was just the better fit of the two Ancelotti his credentials you'd have to say he's better in that respect three Champions League victories Klopp obviously did superb work at Dortmund but the last season there with them wasn't his best so Credential-wise, I don't think he stacks up to Ancelotti, but it's just his, the way he is, his demeanour, he's got a cult hero status about him really at Dortmund, and it's easy to see him doing the same at Liverpool. I think it's a really good arrival, I think it's a really good appointment for Liverpool. I'd say Rodgers probably was time for him to go. I think the timing was a bit strange, doing it on the same day as a Merseyside derby, but by all accounts, his fate was already sealed before that draw against Everton, so... It's easy to see why he has gone transfer-wise. He hasn't really impressed too much, and Klopp has a better uh, record in track record in that regard. So hopefully he brings that to Liverpool. But yeah, I think it's a very good appointment, and looking forward to seeing how it pans out. Yeah, I see what you mean about um, you know his credentials there, because certainly you know when you've got two big names like Ancelotti and Klopp available there, you certainly think. You know, maybe that's maybe what encouraged them to get rid of Rodgers. And I think with Klopp, you know, some people have thought it was Ancelotti the right man. But I think with Klopp, you know, every every big club in Europe had they needed a man- manager would have been in for him. So I think it's certainly a bit of a coup for Liverpool. And yeah, like you said, I think the departure after the one-all draw with Everton, you know, a bit odd because Everton been in really good form of late, and it wasn't necessarily the worst result of Goodison Park getting a draw there. Um, you know, especially, but you know, I think it was the way the game went. You know, they took the lead. It was very fortuitous. Well, not fortuitous, but you know, Everton could have done a lot better to keep out Ings's goal. You know, Tim Howard really, you know, pouring the Everton goal there, and they did, couldn't quite hold that lead till half time, could they? Lukaku hit back just before the break, and that was a real killer blow there. And second half, probably Everton. If there was one side who was going to win it, maybe them. But it wasn't the worst result, and probably a bit surprising to see Rogers go. But it's goals that are a real problem for Liverpool at the moment, isn't it? You know, they scored exactly once in eight of their last eleven Premier League games, and that's where the real problems lie, and maybe where Rogers is why Rodgers went because he they scored so many goals and were so electric you know in that season where they almost won the title and perhaps that's why he went just because they just never really got going this season yeah and I think they'll be they'll have a boost in that regard this weekend because Sturridge should be available Coutinho might be fit again Benteke might be missing out but once Sturridge you probably say he still isn't a full fitness after such a lengthy injury break but of course he came in he scored a couple of goals already up and running for the season Benteke's up and running for the season and if 
if we can keep all the strikers fit, then that should help in that regard. I think that the absence of Sturridge both last a lot of last season and the start of this season that didn't help Rodgers at all. And I think it would be much closer to top four had Sturridge been fit for the for the whole of last season. So if they can keep him fit for this season, the majority of this season, if finally those injury troubles are behind him now, I think it's certainly going to help in that regard, goal wise, because. He's he's a finisher. He scores goals wherever he, whenever he gets a good run in the team. So that will certainly help Liverpool, I think. Yeah, and it's well, it's certainly a, a very difficult opening game for him, isn't it? Going to Spurs, who been a pretty decent form of late. You know, their last two Premier League games, they beat Man City four one, and then the uh, match before that, uh, sorry, their most recent game two two draw at Swansea. It was just before the international break, and certainly I think they can perhaps feel a bit hard done by from that game they had to fight back from behind twice uh, to get to get a point in that game Christian Eriksen with two free kicks you know he scored six free kicks um, since he first came to the Premier League in 2013 and that's more than anyone else he's really 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 good at the dead ball situation and they had plenty of chances really you know to go on and win that game but in the end it was actually Hugo Lloris who kept them with a the point because he made that brilliant uh, last half save from uh, Fernandez, I think it was so you know 2-2 draw at Swansea it's not the worst result but certainly I think they would have gone there hoping to win because Swansea didn't have a very good month last month they didn't win a single game and Spurs you know if they have real top four aspirations that's the sort of side you know when, when a side's you know out of form like that you should be able to go there and get a win if you really want to finish in the top four they're sitting eighth now which isn't too bad and certainly they've, they've improved of late after quite a slow start to the season yeah they definitely have improved there's four games without a victory at the start of the season and now they're without the defeat since the opening day of the season and the only team in the Premier League to do that now so they're starting to get the wheels in motion a bit I think They've certainly shown more signs of being able to challenge for the top four in the last few weeks. That 4-1 win against Manchester City, obviously, is the standout result. That was their last home game. Still unbeaten at home this season, which is a big plus for them because there have been times where they've struggled at White Hart Lane, particularly against the big teams in recent seasons. So definitely all all signs pointing in the right direction for Tottenham because, as you say, it wasn't the best start to the season. Three back-to-back draws after that opening day defeat. But now Sunderland, Palace, probably expect them to win those games, but... A 4-1 win against Manchester City, and you mentioned there the 2 draw against Swansea. Two very good results. I think this will be another good test, particularly against Liverpool with Jurgen Klopp there. But things certainly looking in the right direction at the moment for Tottenham. Yeah, definitely a Spurs unbeaten at home this season. But then you look at the recent games between these two sides. Uh, Liverpool have won five consecutive Premier League games you know, against Spurs. So they've, they've really had the better of Spurs in recent times. What's your score prediction for this one? It's a very tough one to call because of Klopp's, Klopp being there. He should give Liverpool a big boost, and you know this could go either way. It's a very hard one to predict. I'm gonna I'm gonna go for a two-all draw. I think. Yeah, I fancy it being a draw as well. I, I mean, it'd be interesting to see what side of football Liverpool play. You know, Klopp in the past, his Dortmund team, they used to be very exciting, very counter-attacking. But you wonder tough away game like this whether he might you know just take a more defensive minded approach in this sort of opening game of his tenure. So I'm gonna go for a one-all draw. So me and Barnes both see this one ending as a draw. On to the 3pm kickoffs, of which there are six this Saturday, and we start with Chelsea against Aston Villa, two of the bottom five going head-to-head at Stamford Bridge. Pascal will start with the home side, another defeat last time out to Southampton. Yeah, and a second home defeat of the season as well. You know, Jose Mourinho's Chelsea famed for being, you know, that good at home, but that was the first time in the Premier League under Mourinho that any team has scored three at Stamford Bridge. So just shows what an achievement it was from Southampton. And especially, you know, they fell behind, didn't they, to that William free kick. But to be honest, after that, Southampton, you know, fully deserved the victory. Davis, Manor and Pella on the score sheet there. And you have to say that just watching the game back, you just thought, where's the Chelsea defence from years gone by you know you looked at some of the players like Tadic he was having a great time against Ivanovic Pella he's in a really good vein of form at the moment he was having a good game Mane as well they were just finding too much space in and around the box and 
Chelsea now 16th in the table, which is incredible considering. I mean, I know it was a slow start to the season, but that's now eight games of the season gone. And, you know, they're down there. The three newly promoted sides are all above Chelsea. They're 10 points behind City now. And to be honest, 10 points considering the start they've had. Chelsea might think they're, they're a bit lucky there. The gap probably could be a lot worse. And you have to say, looking at the table the way it is at the moment, it's hard to see them retaining the title. It is hard to see that. And it's, it's just unbelievable what's happening to Chelsea at the moment. They're just such a shadow of the team that they were last season. As you say, are they out of the title race already? Perhaps no team's ever finished higher than fifth after being 16th or below after eight games. Chelsea in 16th now, of course. They've got a big, tall, tall order to get back into the title race. And as you say, 10 points the gap now. It would be some feat if they managed to claw that back with 30 games left of the season. You touched on it there. The defence is just its unbelievable how how much worse they are defensively and it's the, the manner of the goals they concede against Southampton there's individual errors which you can't really account for if you're Jose Mourinho of course he went on that big rant after that monologue to the uh, TV cameras after that Southampton match so pressure's starting to tell on him a bit but the defenders the likes of Cahill Terry Ivanovic they're just being shrugged off by by Mane and Tadic Tadic ran rings about uh, around Ivanovic at times and the fact that Ivanovic is out for this weekend could actually be a blessing in disguise the way he's playing because he, he's been a shadow of his former self and Mourinho doesn't really seem to drop him even if he is playing bad because he's been so consistent for so long. This is the first really poor spell of his career at Chelsea but it's just he's, he's, such, he's having such a poor season. Every single game he seems to be getting run rings around and it's hard, as we say it's hard to see a way back for Chelsea in the title race and it's, it's hard to see them improving at the moment because they it's not that they're just being edged out in games they're deservedly losing these games and I'm not really sure what the problem is and but Mourinho needs to find out a way to solve it he certainly does yeah and you know if if they did lose this game which you know is unlikely I mean Villa quite outformed themselves you know but that would be the first time that he's ever lost successive home league games if they do lose so it's a massive massive pressure coming into this game and certainly you have to say that if Chelsea are going to have any chance of getting in back into that title race, they need a really, really sort of consistent run of you know wins to put together. And you'd probably say that there is a decent chance of doing it if you look at their upcoming fixtures. Villa at home here, then they go to West Ham, uh, then they host Liverpool, go to Stoke, host Norwich. So those next five fixtures until sort of towards the end of November, you'd certainly say that they do offer Chelsea uh, a good chance, you know, to, to string a good run of form together. And I, I just get the feeling that it could potentially happen. You know, a lot of their players have. Have come out and said, I saw Azar said he's never played this badly. Uh, Diego Costa got left out of the Spain squad, so he's had plenty of, you know, he's not picked up an injury uh, while on the way in international duty. He, he'll be fresh coming into this game after that uh, suspension that he's recently served. So I think there's potential here for Chelsea to really blow away Villa, but, you know, we've thought that in many games this season and they just keep letting us down, Chelsea. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in this one. Yeah, I think if Chelsea could have chosen a match to have at the end after the international break, after Mourinho's had a bit of time with his squad. Villa at home would be right up there because we talked about Chelsea's form. Villa's form is no better at all. Four defeats in a row now in the in the Premier League. S- still in the bottom three, only New- Sunderland and Newcastle um, below them at the moment. And they're just they're not performing too badly, but the, the results just aren't coming. Only that one win in the season so far that was on the opening day. They got one draw, and that was at home to Sunderland, who were right down with them. Against in the last match against Stoke, it was. Again, Marko Arnautovic, the only goal of the match, it wasn't exactly a terrible Aston Villa performance, but as we say, they're just not getting those points on the board and they need to rectify that. Sherwood, you can tell he's really feeling the pressure a bit now because his post-match interviews, he's always mentioning how the fans are getting on their back and how they've got a right to because 
he's, he readily admits Villa haven't been good enough so far but he needs a big result whether it's going to come at Stamford Bridge that's a really big ask but he needs one sooner rather than later Certainly, yeah, and you, you mentioned the four defeats in a row in the Premier League there. If you look back at all of those, they've all been by a one-goal margin, so they're not getting blown away by any stretch of the imagination, but you know they're equally not doing enough to even get a point from some of these games. And you know those some of the recent results you mentioned there, the 2-2 draw at home to Sunderland, losing 1-0 at home to Stoke, they're games they really should be getting You know, at least, say, one win out of those two. And you know if they, say, lost by one goal again here this weekend, that'll be the first time that in the Premier League that any side has ever lost five in a row by a one-goal margin. So... You can maybe say they're slightly unlucky, but with a run of form, you know, this bad since the opening day, not being able to win, you know, since the opening day, you'd say that it's probably not bad luck. It's just, you know, a, a bad side. They're not playing too well, and certainly they certainly need to improve soon. And you look at their fixtures coming up, and you'd probably say it'll be really tough for them to be able to do so. Going to Stamford Bridge here, and they host Swansea, go to Spurs, host Man City, and then go to Everton in their next five fixtures. All of those look really difficult, and probably in all five of those games, you'd say the other team would start the game as favourites. So, you just wonder when Villa will get that next win, you know, since that opening day uh, when they got a Bournemouth. So really tough run of fixtures coming up for Villa and certainly hard to see them getting out of the bottom three anytime soon. They'll definitely be underdogs going into this weekend as well. Their record against Chelsea is pretty poor. 30 goals conceded in their last eight visits to Stamford Bridge. What's your score prediction for this one? Yeah, you've got to side with Chelsea here. I know these two are in the bottom five and, you know, if it was any other team apart from Chelsea, you might say it'd be quite an even contest, but surely they can't. They can't lose this one, Chelsea, surely. They have to win this one, so I'm going to pick them to win 3-0. Yeah, I actually completely agree with that. Completely agree with the scoreline as well. Chelsea, as we've mentioned, they've surprised us by how consistent this poor one's been for them so far. But, they, yeah, as you mentioned, they can't lose this one. It's against a really out-of-form Aston Villa at home. And if they do lose it, Mourinho might find himself under a bit of pressure and with questions to ask from Abramovich. So I agree with that. I'm going to go for a 3-0 victory. So we're both going for comfortable Chelsea victories. Moving to the south of London now, where Crystal Palace take on West Ham. Mars, let's start with Palace sitting fourth at the moment after back-to-back wins. Yeah, it looked like they might be going off the boil a little with those two defeats to Man City and Tottenham, but right back to with two consecutive wins now. Clean sheets in both, which is obviously very good defensively for them to, to go with their attacking, exciting attacking talent. And last time out against West Brom, 2-0 win. Decent result, West Brom... They didn't play very well. Pulis was quite critical of the team after the match, but Palace, they, they look good, and we seem to talk about it most weeks, but the key players again performed. Zaha gave Brunt a torrid time down the wing, obviously won the penalty. Balassi wasn't as involved in open play, but he got his goal, obviously ending a long drought um, at, at Selhurst Park. I think it was New Year's Day 2013, his last goal at Selhurst Park before that, and it was a really good, brave header as well. Kabai, obviously another good performance from him in the centre of the park, got another penalty, and I think that was Crystal Palace's sixth penalty already this season, which is incredible tally so early on in the season. And again, it just comes down to those tricky players. They're so hard to deal with for any team, really. And they'll fancy their chances. They can certainly they can hurt any team and every team in the league with those players. Certainly, Aaron Kabai, you know, he's scoring goals this season, but he's also he's, he's quite a complete midfield player, isn't he? You know, he's a real key cog to that Palace midfield. No player in the league has made more interceptions uh, than him, so he's really performing well for them. And look at the record they've got now: fifteen points from eight games, just three points behind you know leaders Man City, because you know no no one else. I mean, City started the season obviously so well, but they've gone off the boil of late. And Palace, they're right up there along with teams you know like West Ham and Leicester, other surprise teams like that. And you look back at the stats. Last time Palace, you know, had more points than this in a top-flight season. You know, this many games in, they finished third. So that's a good omen back in 1990-91. Uh, but I think it'd be a huge, obviously a huge shock if they pulled that off this season. But you know, they really should be targeting the way they're going, the players they've got. I think you know, a top-half finish is very, very minimum. But 
the way they're going, the, how they're doing at the moment, you have to say potentially, you know, a top seven, top six finish could be on the cards for them. Yeah, and I, I certainly think they're capable of it from what they've shown so far. I think the next step up for them is a bit beyond them so far. You look at the the games they've lost this season as against Arsenal, Man City, Tottenham, big teams who you'd say are probably just a little step above them at the moment, but. The next, the next run of fixtures, they've got West Ham here who have also made a very bright start to the season. They'll go into this one fancying their chances here. Leicester, it's a, again, Leicester made a good start to the season. The next four games are all against other sides currently in the top six, so it will be a testing period for them. But Man City and Manchester United, perhaps you'd, you'd argue that they'll go into those games as favourites against Palace, because partly because of the Palace the, the teams Palace have lost to so far this season but against West Ham and Leicester they'll be very confident of going and winning those games and they've shown no signs so far of, of slowing down and they'll certainly give all those teams a, a run for their money Yeah definitely but I think West Ham they'll go into this pretty confident I mean both West Ham and Palace tend to do better away from home and it'll be interesting to see how Palace approach this game against a side like West Ham who you know, are usually much better on the road and West Ham they come into this game just a point behind Palace uh, in sixth place but maybe they should be a bit higher up than that given you know their last two results they had back to back two all draws against Norwich and Sunderland two sides who you know given some of West Ham's results this season you know they won at Arsenal Liverpool and City they might have considered you know that they should have won those games but you know last time out uh, at Sunderland it was they fell 2-0 down there to what was then the league's bottom side I think so that was a really disappointing start given their previous away games like I said they're beating Arsenal Liverpool and City so you know going 2-0 down like they did very very disappointing but then uh, Jermaine Lenz the uh, Sunderland player who put them 2-0 in front got sent off and that certainly helped uh, West Ham and they fought back thanks to uh, Carl Jenkinson and Dimitri Payet Payet again starring for them and certainly you know the, the only two points from those two games against Norwich and Sunderland perhaps a bit disappointing but to come back from 2-0 down against Sunderland was a positive obviously showed some good character and yeah for them to be sitting 6th in the table um, with 14 points from their opening 8 games a fantastic start under Slavon Bilic yeah and you've touched on Payet there we've, we've mentioned Crystal Palace as key players before and Payet has quickly developed into a very key player for West Ham his record recently in terms of setting up goals and scoring goals is very impressive 14 in his last 16 league games of 5 goals 9 assists Still doesn't seem to be getting the nod at international level, which is a bit strange the way he started the season. And he seems to be a bit frustrated by that, judging by some of his comments recently. But at, at club level, he's certainly doing very well. And West, he's, he's one of the key players for West Ham. They've had a number of standout performers already this season. And that's helped them to those big results you mentioned earlier. Arsenal, Liverpool, Manchester City. As you mentioned, that Sunderland one would be a disappointing one to only draw from that but if you'd offered Bilic 10 points from a possible 12 from those first four away games he would have snapped your hand off before the season started not gone five unbeaten away from home since a run of seven in January 2009 so certainly they're not historically very good travellers but under Bilic they've certainly started to do that and it's easy to see them getting anything out of any game now tend to be uh, better against the big teams on the road from what we've seen so far this season and while Palace probably aren't considered a big team yet the way they're playing they'll fancy their chance of getting something out of it yeah they certainly will and the thing is with both teams both teams got a lot of injury doubts going into this game you look at the uh, potential players who could miss this and while some of them aren't necessarily starters all the time they're certainly key squad players who can affect a game if it's not going your way you look at Palace there without they might be without Connor Wickham Yedinak uh, Delaney and Ward and look at West Ham Alex Song Valencia Ogbonna Carroll uh, Victor Moses Winston Reid all those players could miss this one so both sides you know suffering with injuries and be interesting to see what the starting lineups are but anyway what's your score prediction very tough one to call again isn't it Palace we mentioned they're better on the road West Ham better on the road as well but 
that one against Sunderland last time out wasn't the most convincing performance they've had this season. I can't really separate them. I think I'm going to go for a one-all draw. One-all draw, yeah. I think it really could go either way. It's certainly one of the toughest games to call this weekend, I think. But I'm just going to side with West Ham. Um, not quite sure why, but I just think that you know Palace, they certainly they look much better on the road. And I think West Ham might just, might just outwit them in this game. So I'm going to go for a 2-1 West Ham win. So... Got one draw in this game and a West Ham win. OK, on up to Goodison Park where Everton hosts Manchester United. Pascal will start with the visitors. Incredible game against Arsenal last time out. United blown away in that one. Yeah, all three goals from Arsenal coming inside the first 20 minutes there. And I certainly think, you know, United going into that game, they should have, you know, Arsenal went into that match off the back of that 3-2 defeat at home to Olympiacos in the Champions League. And there would have definitely been nerves in the Arsenal side there going into that game you know losing at home in the Champions League losing their first two Champions League games so much pressure on that Arsenal team going into the game and for United to concede three inside 20 minutes and basically give the game up you know midway through the first half just completely unacceptable they'd won four games in a row in all competitions going into that so they were in good form United and to give up three goals like that I know some of them you know Sanchez's second was a fantastic finish you know all three goals were great finishes to be fair Ozil and the Sanchez first one as well but even so, you can't lay in three inside the opening 20 minutes like that. And, you know, they went into that game top of the league as well. So they should have been full of confidence while Arsenal should have been, you know, the opposite really. So for it to unfold the way it did was very, very surprising. And now they've dropped down to third. They're only two points behind City. It's still very, very tight up there. But certainly given the situation of both clubs going into that match, for them to fold like they did so early on was a real disappointment. Yeah, and it was, as you mentioned, it was so surprising because of the contrasting natures of how they came into the side. and. It's been a good test for Manchester United now, how they bounce back from that. They've had the two-week international break, which I think came at a good time for them, but they've got a, a, a tough run coming up. This is obviously a tough game for them, Everton away. They've got the, uh, the Manchester derby in their next Premier League game after that, and between them they've got a tricky trip to CSK in Moscow, which you'd expect them to win that match, but the fact that it's, it's a trip to Moscow and then back... Sometimes teams struggle after European excursions and with such a big game against Man City at the top of the table coming up on that Sunday, this will be a difficult period for them, particularly as they've got a few injury doubts. Rooney's one of, one, probably the main one out there, but Schweinsteiger, Carrick, Herrera, you'd have to say they're not as lacking in that area of the field as they were last season when you know Carrick, he was out and that really hurt the team and went on a poor run without Carrick and then improved as soon as he got, got back into the team. But with Herrera, Schweinsteiger and Carrick all potentially out, that could be a troublesome area of the pitch for Van Hal going into this weekend. Yeah, certainly, especially when you consider how Wales, say, like, you know, Ross Barkley's playing at the moment, he might think to exploit that central midfield area. And you touched on Rooney there, obviously, he didn't play uh, England's two international games, but so he might be a doubt for this one. And to be fair, that, that could be a good thing for Manchester United. Rooney really hasn't enjoyed himself of late away from home in the Premier League. He hasn't scored a Premier League goal uh, since November last year. That's 17 away games and not scored at Goodison Park, obviously, his old stomping ground since 2007. So perhaps Rooney not being there might be a blessing in disguise. And he's struggled away from home. And so is Louis van Gaal, really. You know, since he, since van Gaal took over, United have tend to have been you know, much stronger at Old Trafford than they have been away from home. Uh, Van Gaal's won just eight of his 23 uh, league games since coming in and when you compare that to say what David Moyes did he won 10 out of his 18 games uh, on the road so Moyes had a much better uh, away record than Van Gaal so that's something that if United really want to you know, challenge for the title this season they've got to win more games away from home because at Old Trafford they do tend to be pretty good but it's away from home where they drop too many points and that's what allows the likes of City to pull away from them yeah, and this definitely isn't an easy one. Everton should come into it full of confidence. Held to a draw last time out against Liverpool in the Merseyside derby. Obviously a huge game for the club, that one. Obviously it turned out to be Brendan Rodgers' last game for Liverpool. 
it's not the worst result by any stretch of the imagination, particularly as they bounced back from going behind and got that goal back pretty quickly. But the way they were playing going into that match, the way Liverpool were playing going into that match, they're probably disappointed not to come away with all three points from that at home. You're not going to get too many chances to at a, at a good time to play Liverpool like that because they were really they were really on the ropes at that stage and sort of not you'd say probably out of the two teams they deserved to win if if either deserved to win but it wasn't I really one side I think Liverpool most, a lot of people were backing Everton going into that game and I think they will be disappointed not to have got all three points from that one but it is unbeaten in seven now still had a good start to the season and they've got United and then Arsenal in the next two league games and then that's all the big boys out of the way they've had a really tough start to the season to be sitting seventh it's not too bad for them certainly not and I mean, you look back at their recent sort of home record, they've only actually won one of their last six at Goodison Park. That was against Chelsea, who we know haven't had a great start to the season. But like you say, when you look at the four home games they have had since, I mean, the opening day, you know, drawing two all on the opening day against Watford, that was a very disappointing result. But since then, their four home games have been against Man City, Chelsea, Liverpool and and obviously Manchester United here. So they have had a tough run of fixtures there. But I think Everton will go into this game full of confidence. You know, like you say, they perhaps missed a chance to beat Liverpool in that last game because you know, in recent times they haven't won against their rivals all that often. But certainly they'll go into this game against United, like I said, full of confidence. And there's so many players who, who are really playing well for them. Like I mentioned Barkley there. He was really impressing me for England. And he, he seemed to really sort of step up to that you know, for England without Rooney there because... I think potentially when Rooney plays, he drops in a bit. He can perhaps maybe get in Barkley's way. And the way Barkley's playing at the moment, I think he should... If, if it has to be one or the other in that number 10 role for England, I'd say Barkley because he, he really is He's much younger. He plays the ball quicker. He's quicker running with the ball as well. And I think he's playing so well. Uh, obviously a great moment for Phil Jagielka uh, becoming the first Everton player to, uh, to captain England as well, which is a really surprising stat. And Obviously Jagielka's been playing well this season and he could be boosted uh, by the return of John Stones this weekend. Stones has been out for a couple of games, didn't play for England. Uh, he's still a doubt for this one but probably should play and I think all, all signs at the moment for Everton you know, point to a very good season. Like you say, once they've played United here and then Arsenal uh, away in their next game, uh, the fixtures really do get quite a lot easier sort of in the run-up to uh, Christmas time. So a lot of positive signs for Everton I think. Yeah, plenty of cause for optimism in that front and their record against United recently is very good won their last three home league games against United without conceding a single goal along the way do you see them making it four in a row? Um, I think they've got a very very good chance to do that and I think you, you mentioned United you know, with their injury doubts I think Everton will start the game potentially as slight favourites and if, if Stones can make a return in this one that'll be a huge boost at the back for them and I'm back in Everton to nick this one 2-1 I think United the the Arsenal game was a bit of an anomaly of the result they were looking good before that they had scored three goals in three games in a row and then the 2-1 win over Wolfsburg can see them getting back to scoring form but as we say Everton are playing well themselves so I think I'm going to go for honours even here one all. so we're going for one Everton victory and a draw Right from one Manchester team to another as league leader City host Bournemouth Barnes City they're back on top now after that 6-1 demolition of Newcastle before the international break yeah, that was an incredible match, wasn't it? Really, a real game of two halves. Newcastle, they performed very well in the first 45 minutes, but just capitulated, completely collapsed in the second half. Incredible, really, to see how that, obviously, it turned into the Aguero show. He got five goals. But for such a big victory, the first half performance would have been worrying for Pellegrini, particularly off the back of those two defeats against West Ham, against Tottenham, especially that 4-1 win. And when Newcastle took the lead and probably deserved to be two or three up, um, by the time Man City got the equaliser back it would have been worrying sign but then as I mentioned the second half performance was very good Newcastle didn't help themselves with some of their defending but 
Obviously, international break has been quite costly for the for Man City though. Since since that six one demolition, they've had some injuries to key players, most notably of all, of course, Sergio Aguero. He's could be out for about a month now, which obviously a huge blow for City. But it's a it's a chance for Bonnie. He hasn't really done it at City so far. He was always going to be back up to Aguero, but this is a chance for him to get some games under his belt. We saw what he could do at Swansea. He's definitely got the the ability to score goals in this league. It's important now for City that he does do that while Aguero is sidelined. Certainly is, yeah, and Aguero, you know, those five goals he scored against Newcastle, that means he's now got 16 in 13 October Premier League games since he came to since he came to these shorts. So he's going to be such a massive blow if he is. So he's obviously going to miss the rest of this month and summer November as well. But it's not just him, you know, David Silva also, I think it was only after about uh, nine or ten minutes he came off for Spain. So that's, you know, City's two best players there, probably Aguero and Silva, both coming off injured. Uh, Kolarov also picked up an injury playing for Serbia. I mean, he'd gone off the board a little bit, Kolarov, in the last sort of two, three games, but at the start of the season, he was playing fantastically. So for all three of those are missing for this one, they're, they're big blows, and Yaya Torre, he's still a doubt for this one. Uh, Vincent Company probably should return, though, so that, that's that's a big boost for them because he was in action for Belgium uh, over the international break. So if he comes back, that that's a huge boost for them. And certainly, with like you said, it's a chance for Bonnie to really shine uh, with Aguero not there. And certainly, uh, that's something Kevin De Bruyne is already doing uh, for City the way he's been playing he's got three goals two assists in his first three Premier League starts for City he's playing absolutely fantastically for them and certainly the way he's playing and the way he's had no problem adapting to their system is certainly a, a boost given that they could be without uh, Aguero and Silva for this one yeah and those injuries obviously a big blow but they've probably been quite fortunate with the, the run of games that are coming up when that those players will miss the you see Bournemouth here, they'll be expecting three points there. They have got the Manchester derby in their next Premier League game after that. But then it's Norwich City and Aston Villa. Again, you'd expect maximum points from both of those games for there. So it could have been worse fixture-wise. Of course, there's Champions League as well, which, which doesn't help at all. But Premier League-wise, they'll definitely they'll be confident of still being on top of the, on top of the table at the end of that, even though they're missing some key players. They certainly will be. And like you say, Bournemouth here at home, it's a, it's a game they'll certainly start the match as favourites. And you know, Bournemouth, it's been... An okay start to the season for them, isn't it? Obviously, their first ever Premier League season, first ever time in the in the top division. And last time out, they they played Watford, and it was certainly a, a really really good chance for them to get a win on the board. And they couldn't quite do it, could they? They took the lead through Glenn Murray, who is obviously starting their starting striker now with Callum Wilson, uh, you know, out for a long long time. And he op- he opened his account there, and you know, Odi Nigalo got the equaliser for Watford, and. The rest of the game, Bournemouth certainly, they did threaten a bit and then they had a massive chance in, in the 85th minute to, to seal all three points. Uh, Murray taking the penalty, but it was a Gomez uh, who kept it out from the penalty spot. So a real missed chance there uh, to get three more points on the board. And now they're, they're one of three sides on eight points sitting just above the bottom three. You know, they, they, they're not going to drop into the bottom of three if they lose this weekend because they're, uh, I think, four points above 18th place uh, Aston Villa. But certainly you know nowhere near you know pulling away from the drop zone by any stretch of the imagination and they certainly need to get some wins on the board to just sort of claw themselves away from that drop zone yeah and you feel that the matches against the likes of Watford when they've got the chances to win those they need to take advantage of them because points are going to be fairly uh, hard to come by in the Premier League just look at this weekend as an example of how tough the games can get for them so when you're playing a fellow newly promoted team at home you get a penalty in the 85th minute and the, w- the way they conceded the equaliser as well really disappointing obviously Artaboric's mistake we mentioned the injuries hurting City injuries have really obviously hurt Bournemouth already this season and the likes of Mings Wilson Gradle they're out for a long long time Elphick's um, had ankle surgery now out for 10 weeks perhaps out for the, the rest of the calendar year which is another big blow to them Harry Arter is close to returning which would be a boost but 
just injury wise it's been so so tough for Bournemouth so far it's not helped them at all it's always going to be an uphill battle for them to stay in the division anyway but to have lost probably arguably two of your best players three of your best players for much of the season it's, it's very hard to combat for Eddie Howe yeah, it certainly is, and you wonder if those injuries might, it, it, they really could cost them a place in the league, because some of the players, I mean, Gradle and Mings, you know, they were two of their biggest summer signings. Mings wasn't really playing, but certainly Gradle really seemed to be sort of finding his feet. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, back in the Premier League with Bournemouth, and he's now on Callum Wilson. Obviously, he was playing fantastically. I saw some... Uh, some stories that potentially he might have been in line for an England call-up uh, with, before the injury and you look at players like Jamie Vardy getting in, in the England team and you think perhaps Wilson might have had a chance maybe Roy Hodgson might have given him a go but obviously his season's just been you know it's absolutely ruined now and you certainly wouldn't give Bournemouth much of a chance against City what's your score prediction? No I don't give him much chance really they haven't been playing too badly but City 6-1 winners last time out even with key players missing they should Fairly comfortably win this one, I think. I'm going to go for a 2-0 City win. 2-0, yeah. I'm going to go for a two-goal scoreline as well, but I, I fancy Bournemouth to maybe just get a goal, and I'm going to go 3-1. So, both picking City to win this one fairly comfortably. On to St Mary's now, where Southampton host Leicester. Pascal will start with the visitors back to winning ways against Norwich last time out. Yeah, really impressive win, wasn't it? You know, I think certainly the way Leicester have been going this season, uh, they it wasn't too much of a surprise to see them win at Norwich. But Norwich have been playing quite well themselves, you know, since they came up. Uh, back up from the Championship and that win 2-1 at Norwich moved them back up to 5th in the table only 3 points behind Leeds Man City so such a great start to the season I think the best thing for Leicester as well is that they bounce back from that first defeat of the season uh, home to Arsenal the week before because Arsenal you know 5-2 there at the King Power that was quite a comprehensive win for them and for Leicester to not let it you know bog them down too much you know we've talked about in the past about how we we, we were worried about Leicester potentially you know going on a really bad run of form because like they did last season you know they beat Man U 5-3 and then went on a terrible run of form you know dropped right to the bottom but for them to bounce back with a win at Norwich very impressive you know Jamie Vardy Jeremy, uh, Jeffrey Schlupp on the score sheet there so a really good win for them and that's now unbeaten in seven Premier League away games you know that's such a good record away from home we've talked about you know other sides that have been really good away from home like West Ham and Palace but we haven't really mentioned you know Leicester in that vein but unbeaten in seven you know in, in the Premier League that's so impressive and they've only done better than that once in the top flight before when they went uh, nine unbeaten and that was back in 1973 so it just shows how well they are playing and Claudio Ranieri's uh, really picked up from where Nigel Pearson left off last season yeah, you know, getting goals away from home in the Premier League is not an easy thing, but with this Leicester side, they just guaranteed goals for them at the moment. They've scored and conceded in all eight of their Premier League matches so far this season. Very exciting team to watch as a neutral, and of course the man leading the way for them at the moment is Jamie Vardy. It was Riyad Mahrez in the start of the season, but Vardy's just taken up that mantle. Scored in five games on the bounce now, and only three English players have scored in six Premier League games in a row this century. So that's that's the version of history he's on. He's on magnificent form, deserves a place in the international set the way he's going there were questions originally when he's when he got called up whether he was good enough to do it having fairly recently been playing non-league football but he's just kept on scoring and it's hard to argue against it eight goals in his nine Premier League games now he's just leading the way and he's a big reason why they're doing so well this season why they're up in fifth place yeah certainly and I think you know you mentioned them being fifth there and 
when you look at their fixtures coming up, there's certainly, you know, there's no reason to suggest they can't, you know, maintain that lofty position. Claudio Ranieri, you could, you could argue he's been slightly fortunate with injuries. You know, the only person who's on the on the who's definitely out is Matty James. Nathan dies a doubt and could return this weekend, but probably a bit too soon for him. But you look at their next five league games, none of them against the sort of um, traditional big boys. You know, they've got Southampton away here. Obviously, Southampton away, very difficult game here. Uh, and then Palace at home in the next one, also a difficult game. Uh, then they go to West Brom, uh, Watford and Newcastle in the next three after that. So even though you know uh, Southampton and Palace in the next two are what you would class difficult games, none of them are against you know the, the biggest sides in the league. And way Leicester are going, you wouldn't necessarily back against them in any of those games. So you know it wouldn't be a surprise come you know say December if Leicester was still in sort of you know the top six seven. This is certainly a very difficult game I think this weekend though because Southampton they've had two really good wins on the bounce now. In the, in the Premier League and 6-0 against MK Dons in the League Cup as well before that so beaten Swansea and then Chelsea both 3-1 really really good results for them especially last time out away to Chelsea at Stamford Bridge I mean we've talked extensively about Chelsea's problems already but it's still a fantastic result for them a, a really good performance as well because they deserve the victory fought back from Williams free kick was a great strike from Williams you'd say the keeper probably should have done better but the way they fought back got that deserved victory the way the likes of Dusan Tadic Sadio Mane just gave gave Chelsea defenders the runaround. They looked men versus boys at times. It looked like, and of course, Graziano Pelle putting the icing on the cake with another goal for him, and he's in fantastic form as well. So it's all looking quite good for Southampton so far, and they'll be pretty confident this ahead of this weekend. Yeah, you mentioned Pelle there. He's really, really impressed me of late, and he scored for uh, Italy over the international break. So you see, he's a real player in really good form at the moment. Uh, you know, like you said against Chelsea, scored one, and he assisted the other two goals as well. Uh, the week before, he assisted two against Swansea. So. Even if he's not necessarily scoring goals, he's one of those strikers who's more than happy to get his, get his teammates involved. And he's always looking for you know a key pass, so he's assisting goals, scoring goals, and I think certainly he's having a great season. But you could argue that he, he could be having an even better season when you look at the stats because he's missed the target twice as many times as any other player from when he's shot from inside the box. He's had 18 uh, efforts missed the target from inside the box, and I think the nearest player is Rudy Gisted with nine. So that just shows that you know if he just sorted out his finishing and maybe got a few more on target, that he could be doing even better and. His, his record, Peller in particular, is certainly much better when uh, Southampton play at home at St Mary's. And you look at their next four uh, league games at home, they've got Leicester here, then they've got Bournemouth, Stoke and Aston Villa in their next four home league games. And you'd certainly say in all those games you'd back him to score. And yeah, the way Southampton are going, ninth at the moment, but given those two impressive recent wins, you'd certainly back them to keep climbing the table. And what's your score prediction for this one? Uh, a really tough game to score as well. I certainly think it could be very exciting. You know, uh, Southampton, the way they've been playing of late, you know, six goals in two games, you back them to score. And we already mentioned that Leicester have had a goal, you know, at both ends in every single game this season. So it, could, it should be a high scoring game. It's probably going to finish 0 0, but I'm going to go for 3 2 Southampton. Yeah, I'm predicting quite a few goals as well. It's another one I find it tough to call. There's quite a few matches tough to call this weekend, but I think I'm going to go for a draw, 2 all this one. So I'm gonna, we've got one draw and a Southampton victory. To the last of the 3pm kickoffs then, as West Brom take on Sunderland in a match between two of the bottom four. Barnes will start with Sunderland. There's a new manager on Weir's side with Sam Allardyce taking over from Dick Avocar. Yeah, and a very good appointment. I think Allardyce is one of those managers who I feel any any team who really gets rid of him usually regrets it. Obviously, that hasn't really been the case with West Ham so far this season. But you look at the other teams, often the teams have gone down soon after they've got rid of him. So he's, he's, he's very good at keeping clubs in the division. Fans, if they're after a nice style of play, that was the big sticking point with West Ham. I think he did a very good job at West Ham, but they were just after something different, the owners there. I think for Sunderland, they can't really worry about that. 
at the moment they need to worry about getting themselves out of the position they're in because three points still looking for their first win of the season it's looking pretty dire for them they're already five points from safety so it's, it's a very big job for Allardyce to do I do think he's capable of doing it and I think the main thing he'll bring to it is making the team more solid at the back because they, they, defensively they were just making far far too many mistakes to have any sort of success so far this season and that, that's the first thing Allardyce will look to do I think he's capable of doing it he's got a decent track record for keeping teams in the decision in the division sorry. so I think it's a very good a very good appointment from Sunderland yeah I think you mentioned the defence there certainly in their last league game you know Avocar's last game they took a 2-0 lead at home to West Ham which was really really impressive because West Ham in their previous three uh, away games have beaten Arsenal Liverpool and Man City so for, for them to take a 2-0 lead there Fletcher and uh, Germain Lenz on the score sheet Lenz with that it was a great finish wasn't it that chip that went in off the bar but then he went and got himself sent off he, I think he got a very early booking in the game and then you know obviously maybe he'd forgotten about it after scoring maybe the euphoria of scoring completely forgotten that it had been booked because he went in for a silly tackle uh, second yellow card and then that led to West Ham you know coming back uh, Carl Jenkinson and uh, Dimitri Paye bringing them back to two all so I think it was the nature of the defeat wasn't it I mean for them to throw away a two-goal lead like that, Avocar was never really going to last that long. And certainly, you know, you talked about their place in the table there. They're facing, you know, the first time since 1977 without, you know, a league win in their opening nine games of the season. So it just shows how bad of a start it has been uh, this term. And yeah, for Avocar, he must just be thinking, you know, now that he has gone, you know, why did he? Because you know, he he said he wasn't going to stay on during the summer. Then. You know the fans because he obviously did did well to keep him up last season. The fans said, you know, that they were sort of saying for him, you know, please come back. You know, you did such a good job, but it was, you know, you just look at their squad on paper and they, you always think they're going to struggle with the players they've got. And certainly he couldn't make it work. And it will be interesting to see if Allardyce starts because it's a huge, huge job for him. I think one more thing about the Allardyce appointment is should give them a bit of stability. He generally stays at club for a while, and they've been stuck in this cycle we've mentioned before for the last couple of seasons where. A new man comes in to keep him up, keeps him up, and has gone within the first ten games of the next season. So I think Allardyce should give them a bit more stability. I think it's important they stick with him, even if he doesn't keep him up this season, because it's a tall order for him. But having said that, going into this his first game, he's playing West Brom at a very good time. Tony Pulis teams, you always you always feel are going to be difficult to beat, but they just haven't been in good form at all, particularly at home. They lost at uh, lost at Palace so last last time out two 0 and they just, they just didn't play well. They never got going. Pulis was pretty critical of his team after the match. Deservedly lost that game. And at, at home, if you look at their record at the moment, they've got one point from a possible 12. So they need to improve in that respect. You have to say that they've had difficult matches. Manchester City, Chelsea, Southampton and Everton in their home game so far. But still looking for that first home win of the season. And it's a surprise for me to see them so low down in the division. Because I thought they'd have a, a decent campaign this time around. But hasn't turned out that way so far Pulis needs to rectify that soon and although Sunderland have a new a new man in charge this is as good a game as any as, as they'll get right now to do in that yeah certainly and I think look at where the table is you know West Brom they're one of you know a few teams just above the bottom three with four points ahead so they can't you know even if they lose obviously if they lose uh, this weekend against Sunderland that, that will see Sunderland really close the gap but they can't drop into the bottom three this weekend and yeah, you mentioned that West Brom, you know, their form is three defeats in a row in all competitions and they'll go into this game with some real defensive problems. It looks like Jonas Olsen and Johnny Evans uh, could both be out of this one. So that's that's a huge blow at the back there. And, you know, clean sheets, you know, they they, they, did, they had three straight clean sheets, I think it was, before uh, these three defeats in a row. But generally, defensively, they haven't been good enough this season. And goals have been, you know, an issue as well. You know, Ber the Berahino thing off the pitch isn't going to help. And Rondon's had his odd moment, but he's obviously still adapting to the English game. And, 
Uh, you look at the stats from when they've scored their goals this season, all of their goals have come between the half an hour mark and the hour mark, all in that sort of 30 minute period. They haven't scored in the first half an hour or the last half an hour of a game, which is certainly an odd stat because they're not starting games well and they're not finishing games well. And when you do that, you're not going to have a good season, are you? Because you have to play well. Well, if you, Obviously, you can have a great season. You need to play well throughout 90 minutes. But not starting or finishing games well is never going to put you in good stead. And that's just one of a number of many areas that Tony Pulis has really got to put right soon. Yeah, you mentioned the goal-scoring problems they've had there. Drew Blanks in two of their last three games in, in all competitions. And their two victories in the league so far this season have both been 1-0 ones against Stoke and against Aston Villa, as I mentioned, both away from home. So that is an area they need to improve. They invested fairly heavily with Vondon and Lambert came in, obviously, in the in the summer as well. So it's, a, it's, a lot, it's an area that will probably be confusing Pulis because he, he, he's got some decent options up there, but they just don't seem to be finding the back of the net. You mentioned that Berahino thing there. They could do with him really getting back to full form. I think if he needs to just put his head down and get on with it, forget about what happened all in the in the transfer window and just just get on with the job because if he wants to get his place back in the England squad for example he needs to do the business for West Brom and with the Euros coming up England qualify for that pretty emphatically and with quite a few striking options they've got now with the likes of Vardy coming through and having such a good season Berahino needs to be at his best if he stands a chance of getting in there certainly does yeah and I think West Brom the stats don't necessarily Point well, you know, in in October they've you know they've not won any of their last Premier League any any of their last nine Premier League games in the month of October. So that maybe points to them not doing well here. But then uh, on the other hand, you know they've won five and lost none of their last six home league games against Sunderland. So when Sunderland have gone to the Hawthorns in recent years, they have done pretty well. So quite a tough game to call if you look at those two stats. What's your prediction? Yeah, there's usually reaction from a team when they get a new manager, and I think Allardyce will. Get- We'll get that sort of reaction from them, so it's it's a very tough one to call. I think I'm going to go for a one all draw. One all draw, yeah. I just think potentially with West Brom with those um, the injuries that I mentioned, uh, Jonas Olsen, uh, Johnny Evans, because Evans has come in and looked fairly fairly sound in that West Brom defence. I think if they're both missing, I think Sunderland might just fancy their chance. I'm going to back them to win two one on uh, Allardyce's first game. So, but one draw and an away win for Sunderland. Okay, on to Saturday's late kickoff where Watford are hosting Arsenal. Start with the visitors, Pascal. Fantastic performance from him in the opening 20 minutes against Manchester United last time out. Really was, yeah. Completely blew away uh, United, who, you know, they went into that game top of the league, man, you. So for Arsenal to do that in the opening 20 minutes, three goals like that, and basically put the game to bed very early on, uh, very, very impressive. And I'd say especially so after that, you know, uh, defeat at home to Olympiacos in midweek in the Champions League. You know, it looks like they're probably not going to make it through the group stage of the Champions League now for the first time in uh, 15, 16 years, I think it is. You know they have to beat Bayern uh, at least once in the two games they got coming up against them. So really tough ask. Um, so for them to yeah, like I said, score three goals in the opening twenty minutes against United, very very impressive. And uh, the man in form, Sanchez, was the you know the star man again because the first six games of this Premier League season he, he hadn't scored a goal and did, didn't look like quite the same player uh, that he was last season. Maybe that's because you know he helped Chile win the Copa America over the summer, perhaps a bit tired, but. You know, he got his hat-trick the week before against Leicester and then two more and great finishes as well. The first one a Cruyff flick and then stunning long-range effort um, to make it 3-0. So he's a man in really good form. And then Ozil got the uh, second goal as well and that came after he he was he was really, really poor, I thought, against Olympiacos. Just yes, uh, ruining the game for Arsenal, I thought, the way he kept intercepting passes uh, in the middle. But he was you know, back to much more like his uh, you know best self uh, against Manu and a really tidy finish as well. So... That was yeah, a really important win for Arsenal. Too. It took them obviously back above United in second in the table, just behind City. They are now at the top there, so uh, much improved. And Sanchez obviously five in two games in the league now. He's back to his best. 
Yeah, and he carried on that goal-scoring form in the international break as well. Three and two for Chile during that thing. I think there may be a question mark over his availability this weekend, though. He played 90 minutes in Peru on Tuesday. Is he going to be tired? You mentioned him being at that hangover from the Copa America, perhaps, at the start of the season. He's one player who just he puts so much energy into every performance, so it wouldn't be too much of a surprise to see him rested. And if Wenger is planning on resting him, this match is probably the best one to do it coming up because they've got Everton, Swansea, North London derby against Tottenham, and in the midst of all that, they've got that crucial Bayern Munich doubleheader you mentioned there where they need to win one of those matches if they're going to make it through the group stages. So the, out of those ones, this is certainly the most winnable game on paper for Arsenal so I wouldn't be too surprised to see Sanchez despite such a good form be rested for this weekend No I, w- I wouldn't be surprised either to be honest like you say this seems like the most sense to rest him here because of those yeah they're really tough games coming up for Arsenal and so so important as well and and if he doesn't play you wonder if maybe Giroud and Walcott will start together because of late Walcott has been the man to lead the line for them and you have to say he's, he's justified his inclusion he's got 12 goals and 3 assists in his last 14 Premier League starts which is a fantastic record but then uh, Giroud he scored a brace for France during the international break so he's been playing well uh, for his country and yeah it would be interesting to see if maybe Wenger plays both of them maybe a change of system um, if not you know there's still plenty of options up there if, if Alexis is rested and you know, even with all those options, they've still got some key players missing as well. And you'd have to say that Koscielny and Wilshere are probably the biggest absentees they've got, and they'll remain absent for this game. And perhaps you know the, the lack of Koscielny there might just be where Watford are trying to you know exploit this weekend. And you mentioned Walcott banging form for Arsenal up front there. Watford have got their own informed striker, and Odio Nicarlo got the only goal against uh, Bournemouth last time out for them. A decent, a decent result for them, especially considering the way the game went. It might be one they viewed as potential winnable encounter but the way the match went they'll be happy with a point out of that one obviously Glenn Murray missing the late penalty a uh, really good save for that one from Aurelio Gomez he's he looks to be in decent form he's, he had his critics during his time with Tottenham but he's in decent form and at the other end of the pitch as I mentioned Odione Carlos really he's really starting to find his feet the goal against Bournemouth was an absolute gift has to be said and he, he gleefully wrapped that one up so if he can carry on the form then Watford will always feel they've got the goals to keep themselves safe of danger. 10 points from their opening eight games, 12th in the table. It's been a decent start to the season so far. Yeah, yeah, it definitely has, yeah. But I think you can't expect Igarlo to keep going the way he's going. He's, he just he really needs help. I mean, Troy Deeney, he's, I think Troy Deeney's played OK in most of their games this season, but obviously him not scoring, it's just going to add more and more pressure. You know, whenever he gets the ball now in a decent position, say if he goes through one-on-one or gets a good chance on goal there's just going to be so much pressure on him to score because he's still waiting for that first Premier League goal and you know you look at Igalo's stats he scored their last five Premier League goals and they've only got six all season he scored five of those six so you know he really does need help up there whether that's from the midfield um, you know set pieces you know defenders contributing from the odd set piece but at the moment Igalo has just been you know like you said pounced he pounced on that chance against Bournemouth there was a couple of others say Newcastle gave up a couple of quite soft goals for him and if, if teams you know stop maybe you know letting him letting Igalo through so easily, you wonder where Watford's goals might come from. So that's an area they need to address. Defensively, they've been fairly solid, but they're not exactly lighting it up at the other end. So 12th seems about right for them, and it's been like you said a fairly sort of decent start to the season. This is obviously a very difficult match. They actually never won a Premier League game in the month of October before. Do you see give them any chance of ending that statistic this time round? I don't to be honest no Arsenal you know that was a fantastic performance in their last game uh, against United and even if we talked about Sanchez being rested obviously that would give Watford a boost but even if he is rested you still expect uh, the Gunners to have too much here and I'm going to go for them to win 3-1 yeah I completely agree with that actually Arsenal they will rightly go into this match as favourite obviously 
as we've seen already this season, prone to the odd poor result, but I can't see that happening this weekend, to be honest. So I agree with that, 3-1 Arsenal victory. So we're both going for fairly comfortable Arsenal wins there. Just the one game on Sunday this weekend, and it's at St James's Park as bottom of the table Newcastle take on Norwich. Barnes Newcastle, they're rock bottom now after that 6-1 defeat in Man City. Yeah, they look to be in a bit of trouble at the moment, don't they? There was a dreadful result, obviously, against Man City last time out, and just don't really know where it came from because first half they should have been ahead at the break they had missed a few really good chances you could see McLaren getting increasingly animated on the sides more the chances that went because there was always the feeling that they needed to take them they could have been 3-1 up at half time and, but actually only went in one all and then the second half collapsed was just embarrassing to be honest with you Aguero obviously had played fantastically well five goals for him but Newcastle made it pretty easy for him on occasions. Their defence was dreadful. They've got the worst goal difference in the league now. Still looking for their first win of the season. That was the low point so far, 6-1. Obviously, not many people would have been expecting them to get anything out of that game against Man City, but the man of the collapse after such a positive uh, first-half performance, really disappointing for them. And you look back to next uh, last season now, they've lost 14 of their last 19 Premier League games, only got one winner there. It's, it's hard to see where they're first victory is coming from if they carry on performing as they did in the second half as I said they should take some uh, positives from that first half performance they proved that they can give one of the best teams in the league a game when they're on form but they need to do it over the full 90 minutes otherwise they're going to be punished over and over again Mm, conceding six in that game and they've only actually kept uh, one clean sheet all season that was in that um, surprising draw they got at Manchester United when it finished 0-0 so you know defensively they've been struggling and you know the injuries are just mounting up for McLaren, and you have to you, you kind of feel sorry for him a little bit. You know he's he's got d- defensive problems already. The likes of you know Paul Dummett, uh, Daryl Yanmat, uh, Hydara, uh, they they potentially could miss this game. And then over the international break, they lose Tim Krull to a really serious knee injury. I think he's uh, done his ACL and could be about 10-12 months he's out for now, which is obviously the rest of the season and then potentially some of the start of next season as well. So you know with all those defensive problems they've got you'd probably say on his day that Tim Krul is perhaps their best defensive player when he's on good form between the sticks but he's now going to be out and Carl Darlow the young uh, goalkeeper they signed from Nottingham Forest he's already injured as it is so uh, it's going to be Rob Elliott um, in goal this weekend and that's just such a huge blow for them and you know the injuries mounting up like that and you wonder if you know McLaren how long he's got really but you know with the injuries he's got you know Krul now being out and some of the other you know results they've had you, you do feel for him a little bit but you just wonder how long he's got yeah the pressure's certainly starting to mount I mean his own personal record in the Premier League his own personal record in 2015 if you look back to the, the way Derby collapsed at the end of last season as well is not very good and we've already seen a couple of managers go from the Premier League um, this, this season and it wouldn't be too much of a surprise if he follows them out the door fairly soon he's got Norwich coming up and then West Brom in the next two games um, oh sorry Norwich coming up and then Sunderland in the next two games that, that one against Sunderland is a massive match if if they're on the end of a, a poor defeat there to Sunderland in the, at the stadium of light that could be the end of McLaren because he's still looking for that first win in the Premier League he's only beaten Northampton in his whole reign so far you don't get much time especially at a club like Newcastle nowadays in the Premier League with so much money in the, um, for coming in for the rights next season survival is more important this season than it ever has been before so I think he's he's on borrowed time at the moment, but good results in these next two games could have a deciding impact on his future. And bad bad performances could see him go. Yeah, certainly. I was up in Newcastle um, for some rugby World Cup games recently, speaking to like some cab drivers up there. They all, I don't think any of them really wanted wanted him to stay in much longer. I saw the name Harry Redknapp mentioned, and 
Uh, another one told me that he really wanted to see Brendan Rodgers now that he's left Liverpool. I mean, as for the Rodgers thing, I personally can't really see Rodgers dropping down to the side, you know, this bottom of the table, given that he was in charge of Liverpool and, you know, had done, you know, on in some of his seasons there at Liverpool a pretty good job. So it would be a, a pretty significant step, step down for him. But like you say, the next fix just coming up for Newcastle. Yeah, Norwich here, then Sunderland. Then they've got Stoke, Bournemouth in their next two after that. So you certainly say that if McLaren doesn't get at least a couple of wins, say in these next in these next four games, and really sort of start to get some points on the board, it could be the end of him. And Norwich here, you know, they come into this game. Norwich, they they lost last time before the international break uh, at home to Leicester. We all know how well Leicester have been playing this season, but for Norwich, it was another one of those games where they well they fell two 0 down. Um, Vardy and Schlupp on the score short score sheet, and then uh, Umbakani came on and scored his first goal. Uh, for the club and you know they, they did then threaten towards the end of the game once they'd you know half the deficit but they you know they never quite were able to get there and that ended a four game unbeaten run in all competitions so they have been playing well up to that point and you have to say that Norwich like the other two promoted teams it's been a, a decent start to the season for them all three outside the bottom three as it stands and although none of them's had a great start to the season and is really sort of pushing in the top half you'd have to say that all three would be fairly content with the way they've played and you know all three I think stand a good chance of staying up yeah, the five points are just of the uh, relegation zone at the moment, which is, as you say, a decent start. Nine points on the opening eight games is not great, probably, but the performances have been good. The matches they have lost, they've generally played fairly well in them as well. The, obviously, you mentioned the one against Leicester, there was Crystal Palace on the opening day and Southampton didn't play well in that match, but it was largely down to an early, early red card they got, so positives to take from the defeat so far I think these next two games are going to be pretty important to get points on the board Newcastle obviously bottom of the table West Brom they're down in 17th as well in their next two games and then it starts to get a bit a bit tougher for them they've got Man City Swansea Chelsea and Arsenal in their four after that so big two games coming up for them if they can get some more points on the board distance themselves again from the from the bottom teams if not then they could find themselves in trouble come the start of December or so yeah, they'll certainly be targeting, you know, winning this one given, you know, how Newcastle have struggled all season, but they've never actually won at St James's Park in the Premier League Norwich, so it'd be a bit of a big ask for them. How where do you see it going? Yeah, another tough one to call. I think Norwich they can come up with decent results. They've got a draw away to the likes of Liverpool, away to the likes of West Ham uh, already this season. Newcastle, hard to see them getting a win from anywhere at the moment, so I think I'm gonna go for a Norwich two one victory here. Really? I'm actually gonna go completely the other way. I think you know Newcastle if there's I mean I know Norwich have had a solid start to the season but I think most teams playing Norwich at home would fancy themselves and maybe this could be the chance for Newcastle to get that first win so I'm going to back them to win 2-1 so me and Barnes split on this one 2-1 to Norwich for Barnes 2-1 to Newcastle for me and finally on to Monday's game between Swansea and Stoke at the Liberty Stadium Pascal will start with the home side 2-0 draw against Tottenham Hotspur last time out before the international break yeah, it was, a, it was a good game to watch, actually. I thought that Swansea, you know, when they look back at it, they'll probably think a point isn't the worst result, but then you counter that by saying, you know, they took the lead twice in that game and couldn't see it out. You know, the first goal was a really, really good goal, actually. They, they're in a tight spot uh, at the back, and they managed to work it out down the right before breaking quickly. Uh, went out to Montero, who looked, you know, back on really good form, Montero, because he started the season so well, didn't he, but then was out uh, injured for a while. But he looked on great form. He crossed it in. And Ayu uh, with a really good header. He's obviously still scoring goals uh, for his new club. And you have to say that you know both goals they conceded. I think Fabianski and goal. He'll be very disappointed at the way um, Christian Eriksen. You know both of them free kicks. You know, and it was those free kicks where Eriksen didn't go over the wall. He went to the keeper's side, and Fabianski let both in. I mean the first one especially. It looked like it took a deflection when uh, when it first went in, but then watching the replays back, it didn't really take a deflection. Fabianski was just unsighted and. He just kind of guessed that it was going to go over the wall and then it went in very, very centrally. 
so he was at fault for that one. And the second one, again, his all his weight was on the other foot as Ericsson, you know, picked him off and went to the other corner. So disappointing in that sense. And uh, Spurs certainly then had their chances uh, to win the game, and they could have easily gone ahead. But it was actually Swansea who, right at the death, they were so close to winning it. I think it was Fernandez's header that Loris got a fingertip to, to tipping it onto the bar. So they almost nicked it, but they could have also lost it. So. When looking back on it, a draw is probably not the worst result, but it does move them down into the bottom half now, 11th in the table. So, you know, it's, it's been an OK start to the season for Swansea, but considering where they were uh, after the first month, uh, quite disappointing. Yeah, it's been a strange season so far for Swansea, hasn't it? Obviously, they've got the superb results against Chelsea, getting a draw there on the opening day, and then beating Manchester United. But they're without to win in five in all competitions now, failed to score in three of those. They've only actually won two of their last ten Premier League games, which... You know, you don't really get the sort of feeling they're in that sort of form. There is optimism around the club. They, they're playing decent football, and when the key players are on form, they can really, really hurt any team in the league. So it is a bit of a strange one. You'd expect them to be higher than 11th in the table. More, They should have really got more than 10 points from their eight games so far. Guy Monk, he's, he looks like a bright young manager. He's got a decent team on his hands, and he'll be, he'll be wanting this team to pick up these points that they should be picking up now because the recent results have been really disappointing a really disappointing September overall and he needs to get them back into good form he's got he's had the players his key players um, free from injury pretty much the whole season he's only only um, used 14 players from the start in the Premier League this season which is the fewest in the league Andre Ayo could miss out this week which would be a big blow for them but in general he's had a bit of luck so to only be on 10 points from 8 games perhaps not as good as he, he should be expecting no, certainly not. And I think if you look at their next five fixtures coming up, it's certainly a big chance for them to get a string of wins together. Stoke at home here, a very winnable game. And they go to Villa, and we all know how Villa are struggling. Their toughest game in the next run of five is against Arsenal. But even that one's at home, which they'd maybe fancy themselves winning. Uh, and then the two after that, Norwich away, Bournemouth at home. So you look at those next five fixtures, they really look like a, it looks like a really nice stretch of a run for them. And like you say, they've largely stayed injury-free this season. Ayu is a doubt for this one, but... If he manages to pull through and play, they've got a full-strength side available and with the likes of Sigurdsson, Gomez, like I mentioned about Montero being seemingly back on uh, his best form. So I think, you know, it was a very disappointing September and then start to October after that fantastic uh, opening month of the season. But the fixtures coming up certainly suggest that they could be back to a good form soon. Yeah, Stoke have gone pretty much the opposite way, haven't they? They started the season pretty slowly. Not terribly. Draws against Tottenham, draws against Norwich narrowly lost to Liverpool on the opening day of course but finally started to get the, the wheels moving now three wins in a row in all competitions um, clean sheets in two of those as well up into 14th finally starting to look a bit like the team we expected from them after such a good transfer window and the positive signs the positive moves they've made under Mark Hughes since he took over uh, wins at home to Bournemouth and Aston Villa they're not not um, sorry win at home to Bournemouth away to Aston Villa it's not the best results, they're not setting the world alight, but they, they were needed victories, and once they get a bit of momentum, they've got the, side, the types of players. Arnautovic got the winning goal against Aston Villa, he's, he's a case in point. Confidence players, you'd really call them, and as soon as they get the wheels in motion, then they should start climbing up the table and continue in, in that manner. Yeah, definitely, and Arnautovic as well, he's been in good form for Austria, and obviously they qualified with a fantastic record for Euro 2016 in those games, so you know, he's performing on the international stage as well, and we talked about Swansea um, not really having any injury troubles at all, but that's not the case for Stoke. You know, they've arguably lost their best player this season when uh, Ryan Shawcross. He's had that um, back surgery because he's had that long-standing back problem. He's trying to get that fixed. He's on. He's close to returning, but this game's probably too soon for him. But um, Juve is another doubt as well. 
he he should be fit for this one uh, by what I read earlier today. So if he's fit for them, that'd be a huge boost. And the sooner Shawcross gets back, the better because he'll shore up uh, their back line. And if they if they went to win, if they went to Swansea and won in this game, that'd be the first time since December 2011 that they've won back to back a Premier League away game. So certainly an incentive there. And I think most people would be giving them a chance. And do you give them a chance? What's your score prediction? I think they might get a point from this one. I think Swansea, you know. Like I said, they gave Spurs quite a few chances uh, in that last game that they had. So I think Stoke, you know, given like I said that Arnautovic is playing well, and certainly Boyan, he's 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 back in the team as well. So I think there's certainly a chance that Stoke could be able to get a goal here, and I think it will finish one all. Yeah, Stoke's the form, the form book certainly says Stoke will win, but I've got a feeling for Swansea in this one. I think they're going to nick it two one. So I've got one Swansea victory and a draw. So that's all ten games wrapped up there. Be sure to head to sportsmall.co.uk for live coverage of every single one of those games, in addition to reaction, analysis, player ratings, and much more. We'll be back next week. Look forward to seeing you then. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 